joining us today on the Book Talk segment, great to welcome. Man has written a very interesting book called People Analytics, How Social Sensing Technology Will Transform Business and What It Tells Us About the Future of Work. We're joined today by uh, uh, Ben Weber from up in uh, Boston, Massachusetts. And uh, Ben, good to talk to you. How are you today? Doing well. Great to be here. Yeah, I had a chance to, to read through the book. Really fascinating uh, topic, uh, not only uh, for, for the business aspect, but I guess uh, uh, just uh, learning about human beings, right? I guess that was that what kind of got you interested in this whole topic? Yeah, and it's something where... I'm just, you know, really interested in, in trying to understand, you know, how do people, you know, collaborate with each other? How do they, how do they behave? And, and really, what are the things that, that underlie our behaviors? What are, what are sort of the levers that we have um, as people to help us and to help others really, really change our behaviors and, and change the way we interact with each other? I think, uh, especially the last few years, maybe going back five to ten years, but uh, really in the last couple, where businesses are, are really changing the way they, they operate, not only uh, you know in size of offices, but people working out of the home and the technology involved. It, it really has changed this whole aspect of communicating with each other, hasn't it? Yeah, it, it's changed a lot. And, and what's interesting is the way that we've gone about making those changes hasn't really been based on any sort of hard data. There's just an idea that, you know, if we have people work from home and, and not work in the office, well, we can we can have a smaller office, we can have fewer desks, and so we're going to save money. But it, it's a very myopic view of, of really what what actually a company is. I mean, fundamentally, we, we are in companies because together we can do things we couldn't do by ourselves. And so, you know, what I just want to say is, well, all right, well, let's look at the data around this. If, if you don't go into the office... You know, well, sure, you can still email people, you can still call people to the phone. And the things you're going to miss is you're not going to miss the, the meetings and, and all those things. You're just going to miss bumping into people at the coffee machine and, and eating lunch with people. And the question is, well, what, what value does that have? How much money does a company make when employees eat lunch together? And this is something in the book where I actually, you know, look at these sort of questions and say, you know, when people, um, when people work remotely, you know, how does that impact the way that they work, the way that they uh, collaborate with other people? But also, how does it impact uh, the performance and, and the job satisfaction, actually, of the people that, that they work with? Um, and, and I think you really need to take that holistic view and really understand what are the numbers behind this before we make some of these big decisions. You have that excuse me, chapter called the water cooler effect. Uh, a friendly chat can be the most important part of the workday, and it really is if you're working by yourself, and nothing wrong with that, but uh, you need that five or ten minutes every you know, couple hours just to get up, maybe walk around and, and talk about sports or whatever you want to talk about. That really is a big part of the, the workday, isn't it? Yeah, it, it was interesting when we looked at, uh, when we looked at the data. It, it's something where a lot of us have this, uh, I, I think, sort of negative reaction towards uh, getting interrupted, or, or in some companies you'll have a negative view of, you know, you'll, you'll pass by, you know, the water cooler, the coffee machine, and you'll see two people chatting there, and people think that they're they're slacking off. But actually, by by getting hard data on these things, we can actually show that these are extremely valuable, not just for those in, individuals, but for the company as a whole. Yeah, and that is really even been more diminished now, like you mentioned before, with not only email, but uh, 
this whole chatting thing, you know, uh, to me, I, I, I don't like that whole tool. I mean, I know I guess it's fun for a while, but when somebody just pops up on your computer and they want to chat with you, I mean, it could be work-related, but it, it really takes the whole, you know, personal uh, contact way out of it, doesn't it? At least in my opinion, it does. Right, and I guess the, the question is not, you know, it's not just saying that, saying that one thing is bad in all circumstances or one thing is good in all circumstances. It's really saying, and what we try to do is say, well, listen, um, we have some data on this. So, you know, for example, for looking at, you know, instant messaging or looking at emails, well, there are email servers where we can actually, you know, mine the data out of those servers and relate those patterns to how productive someone is, to how happy someone is, to how long people stay with the company. Yeah, but for face-to-face communication, you couldn't really do that before until, and what I talk about in the book is how we actually created um, sort of these next generation ID badges that allow you to understand, actually measure interaction between people without giving away individual information, but really looking at who's talking to who and, and doing voice analysis, not looking at what people say, but looking at how people are actually talking to each other and relating those patterns to, to all these outcomes that we care about. Yeah, you can, you can write an email and maybe try and be funny or, or if you're more serious than uh, you want to be, but you can't always tell nuance in what somebody writes. So it is important to see the person uh, occasionally just to... You know, the facial expressions or, or the tone of voice uh, is as important as the content of the message, isn't it? Yeah, well, and that's something that's really that really gets lost. I mean, this idea that you know you can say something over email that that you could say face to face. Well, but but think about it. I mean, let's say we want to have a debate around. Um, you know, what sort of investments should we make over the next year? And, well, I could spend a couple hours, you know, thinking about it, writing an email, then you, you know, spend some time reading that email, spend another couple of hours thinking about it and writing a reply. It takes us a long time to come to any sort of decision, probably weeks. You know, or we could get together in person and we could actually hash this out and we'll come to a decision much more, more quickly. That's not to say that email is bad. I mean, you know, I can't, if, for example, I can send an email to a thousand people just by pressing a button, and I can't do that face to face. I can't talk to a thousand people face to face. Just, just not possible. And so, but what that means is that, you know, email is useful for sort of more massive dissemination of, of pretty, you know, simple facts. As soon as you start to get into nuance like you were talking about, um, things like face-to-face start to get an awful lot better. Things like um, phone and even video chat can be a lot better, um, but even those tools tend to be used a lot more for planned meetings. Mm-hmm. And as we were able to show, it, it's these, these serendipitous interactions that happen that are very difficult to plan that generate a lot of the value for individuals and for companies. Yeah. Yeah, I guess as technology improves, you see more and more of the video aspect where people can talk to each other over the computer face-to-face. That'll, that'll I guess, make that a little bit better, alleviate some of that uh, problem, but uh, we're not quite there uh, yet, I guess. And just kind of looking at your title, Ben, uh, uh, Sociometric Solutions, is the, that's the name of your company, right? Uh, interesting uh, exactly. type of uh, business to be in, but I guess that's what you do. You go to companies and kind of look it over and see how they can improve their communication. Is that what you do? Yeah, I mean, the idea is that we, so we deploy these, these next generation ID badges, we look at, uh, you know, we look at email, we look at IM data, but, and then phone call data, and we relate this to, to job satisfaction, to retention, to, um, to productivity, to, to engagement, to creativity. Um, all these things that the companies care about, but what we do is we put some hard numbers on them, and we say, 
you know, really, what are the levers that companies have at their disposal? Um, and sure, you look at, you know, what does the org chart look like? You know, how are teams put together? How are people paid? Um, but increasingly, we're seeing that some of the biggest levers companies have at their disposal are really, you know, things like, you know, how is the office laid out? What sort of communication tools do people use? Um, you know, do you give people free lunch? Do you give people free coffee? Those things are typically not viewed um, as management tools, but in fact, they're more powerful than the things that we you know, typically associate with with management, like like the org chart, like the hierarchy. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's just been able, because we've been able to to get hard data on this, you know, by collecting behavioral sensing data and the digital communication data, um, we can start to make these substantive changes. Um, at a very large scale. Are, are businesses becoming more receptive uh, to it, Ben? I guess some of the older ones may be a little more difficult to, to, to integrate this type of uh, you know, technology and science, but, uh, but I guess you see more and more smaller businesses, particularly technology companies, uh, probably gravitating toward it, right? Yeah, certainly the early adopters uh, tend to be more technology-focused. We've actually done a lot um, in some of the work I talk about in the book is to, in, in finance, um, done a lot of work in pharmaceuticals. Um, so there's, there's sort of two classes of companies that tend to be very interested in this. One are companies that have very good metrics around uh, performance. So you think about things like call centers, um, but you also think about computer programmers um, and engineers, where they have these very complex technological dependencies um, that you can actually look at um, you know, from their computer systems. And the idea there is that you know, if I'm working on code and my code depends on your code, if we don't talk to each other, it's about 12 times more likely that a bug will pop up. Um, it's it's going to take us 32% longer to develop the code. So trivially, you look at, you know, how does communication match up with um, with those ideals, um, and you see to what, uh, really what causes people to have that communication. Um, the other group of companies are, you know, organizations that have very poor metrics around outcomes. Pharmaceuticals is a good example because they have these researchers who once every 10 years they'll come up with a new drug but the rest of the time they work on something that never sees the light of day that's just the nature of the beast but the issue is then okay well how do you evaluate these people because the way it works today is essentially you ask their boss you know do you like this guy and if they say yes they get a raise or they get promoted um they say no then you don't then <laughs> so what we actually care about is you know, how creative are these people? How much more likely are we to come up with this next new drug? How much do they help other people come out with new drugs? And what we can do with the badges is look at again, who talks to who, um, and we can see, are these people spanning sort of different divisions? Are they um, helping to, you know, people come up with new ideas, which you can see um, by just looking at these serendipitous conversations? Um, and, and are they really changing the way um, you know, the company works. And, and if they are, then that's a very good thing, and that's something that they should be rewarded for. Um, and, and if they're not, then that's something you need to help them do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you sort of get these, you know, those sort of, those companies, but also these very hard companies that both tend to really see the value in this initially. Um, but certainly we've been expanding over a whole variety of areas. Yeah, it's a fascinating topic and, uh, and, and a science uh to deal with. And the name of the book is called People Analytics. We've been talking with Ben Weber today. And uh, Ben, uh, give a, a website up. People get a hold of the book or get a hold of you if they like. Yeah, so the, the book is uh, People Analytics, and the website is uh, www.socio-metric.com. Great. Ben, pleasure to talk to you for a few minutes. Good luck with the book, and uh, keep in touch with us. Next time you have a project come out, we'll have you on again. Thanks so much. 
I'm Stan Brock. 30 years ago, I formed Remote Area Medical to help people overseas. But then we found generations of families in America isolated by poverty from the health care they need. Together, we can take dental, vision, and medical help to a million adults and their kids right here at home in the United States of America.